0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, as you read the Gospels and as you study um, the life and teachings of Jesus, um, one thing that really stands out he, that Jesus had this incredible, incredible way to, to, to speak profound, deep truths in like a few words, just three or four sentences. Um, you find that over and over and over again, um, that, that Jesus was able to say in just a few sentences what it, takes, what it takes preachers like a half hour or more to explain, you know, which I'm not complaining because it gives me something to do, it gives me a paycheck so I can handle that, you know, but, but he just had this way of, of saying things that just got your attention and, and spoke truth. And um, we're going to look at one of those this morning, it's found in Matthew chapter 5 if you want to turn there. And uh, Matthew 5 is actually just a portion of the whole Sermon on the Mount. But every one of these sayings just in themselves is a whole message. We're going to look at verse 13 through 16 here. And these are the words of Jesus to his followers. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Just in a few short sentences... Some incredibly deep, deep truth. We're in a series um, we've entitled On Location. And we're just talking about the fact that God has placed us where He has us in our lives at this time for His purposes. In fact, last week we looked at Paul's Paul's sermon to the Athenians in Acts chapter 17. And I pulled out one of those verses we looked at last week. I'm going to put it up on the screen. It's in your outline. I'd like you to read this out loud uh, with me if you would. It's Acts chapter 17. Verses 26 and 27. Read aloud with me, would you please? He determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? That God has placed you exactly where He has you for one simple purpose... One simple purpose, that you would seek Him and reach out for Him, that you would find Him. That means that means that, that sixth period English class, you are in that class for a reason. It wasn't because the schedulers thought it was a good idea to put you in that class. You are there for a reason. The job, the cubicle that you work in, the office that you work with, work in, the family, the family that you are a part of, even those ones that you don't get along with, God put you there. He put you there for a reason and for a purpose so that so that you would seek Him and reach out for Him and find Him. And not only you, but the people that are in those situations with you, those classmates, those people on your soccer team, those co-workers on your job, those members of your family, He put them there too. It's what He says. He placed each of us exactly in the place and in the time for one simple reason. So that we would seek after him, reach out to him and find him. And that is so important when we look at Jesus' words here in in Matthew chapter 5. Because what he's saying is, you now that you are there, are there to help other people seek him, reach out for him and find him. The part of the purpose was for you to discover that relationship with Him. But the other part of that is to now be a part of letting other people discover that. So what we're going to look at this morning, we talked about it a little bit last week, is just the importance of developing relationships. Building and cultivating those connections that give you those opportunities. And I'm going to give you a real simple outline this morning. Just two simple points. The first one is this. God has you exactly where He wants you. God has you exactly, you may not want to be there. You might think, well, I wish I was somewhere else. I wish I had a different job. I wish I was in a different family. I wish I didn't have 6 period English with this teacher. You might have all kinds of reasons why you don't think you should be there. But God has you exactly where he wants you. Look at what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. On your outline, circle that word are. Because what he's saying there is, this is you. Right here, right now, you are salt. You are light. Now, you need to understand Jesus' audience because the people that Jesus is speaking to, they are not the rich. They are not the influential. They are not powerful. There's no government officials. The only representatives from the government in his entourage are tax collectors, the ones nobody likes. He says, to these people. In fact, you know who these people are because he begins the sermon talking about them. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that mourn. Those that are poor in spirit. Those that hunger and thirst. He's saying, you people, this is you. Not the rich, not the powerful, but you have an incredible influence and impact for eternity. You do. And you might say to yourself, not me. Maybe you feel like one of those in that entourage 2,000 years ago. I've got no connections. i got no power. i got no money. You are exactly where he has you right now at this time to be salt and to be light. And because of that, you'll have impact. Sometimes I like to read other translations or or paraphrases just to kind of get a real sense of, of what's being said. And I love the way the message paraphrase puts this. He puts it this way. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. To be that God influence in this world, which means you have impact. It's about living purposeful lives. And it doesn't take a lot of salt. A little salt goes a long, long way. A little light goes a long, long way. He's talking about recognizing who you are and why you're there. And and in fact, he goes on. He says, they put a lamp on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Not just the person that lit the lamp. Not just the person that wanted the light. Everybody in the house. And that's why you're where you're at. Now, I could this morning go and do a whole exposition of this passage. Do all my exegesis and show you all the Greek words and all that stuff. But I'm not going to do that, okay? What I'd rather do this morning is invite... You probably notice we've got some stools up here. I'm going to invite three people from our church family to come and share how they have found a way to be salt and light. The first one is my wife, Betty, and then Hale Birkin and Kay Axelgard-Reeds. If you would come and uh, join me up on stage. Give them a warm welcome, would you please, as they come? <clears throat> what I want to do is give you just a flavor of how three people have found a way to do just that, to be salt and to be light. Um, and you may, you may want to be a part of what they're doing. You may not be interested in anything they are doing. But I hope to spur some of your thinking a little bit um, as you hear what they are doing and ways that they have found to serve um, in our community. So I'm going to have each of them, um, starting with Betty, just um, introduce yourself and tell what it is that you're doing.
1: I'm Betty Jensen, Pastor Ken's wife, and I am a mentor at Liberty High School. And um, Liberty High School is an alternative school here in our community, and they have around 70 students each year, and um, we have a, a group of mentors that um, meet with students and um, help them out during the year, and I'm one of them..
2: Uh, My name is Hale Birkin, and I'm part of uh, my wife and I run a community group. And uh, once a month, our community group goes down to uh, First Baptist Church in Vallejo and helps with Bread of Life, which is a soup kitchen.
3: My name is Kay Axelgard-Reeves, and I'm a grief counselor with the Contra Costa Crisis Center. Uh, The Contra Costa Crisis Center is located in Walnut Creek, but it serves other counties in the Bay Area, and it does serve people in Benicia, I'm also a Greek group facilitator. I facilitated groups, recovery groups for teenagers at Liberty High School in Brentwood and Freedom High School in Oakley when I was teaching there. And I have facilitated groups for widows affiliated with Northgate. um, And those groups have been open to anyone who qualified, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. in the community.
0: Um, And what I'd like each of you to do is is tell a little bit about how and why you got involved where you did. Um, Maybe personal experiences or whatever it was that got you connected into that. And um, we'll start with Hale
2: and then Betty and Kay. Um, well, uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, Dave McMurtry here, he kind of sends out messages to the community groups, kind of helping us to and what we're going to be focusing on and, and guiding our lessons and all that. And he had put out um, a, a call to all the community groups that we should look towards a way to be serving. And um, our community group had already started serving each other. We had helped each other with moving and um, different things that have come up within the group. And we really enjoyed getting together outside of the community group and doing that. So we were looking for a way to serve. And uh, John and Kathy Hurst, who are in our group, were already serving with Bread of Life and so they suggested that and it just kind of went from there. We started serving once a month. We serve the fourth Sunday of the month. Um, we go down at three o'clock in the afternoon and prepare food for about an hour and a half or two hours. Um, and then from five to six, it's open to uh, people in the community there. And, uh, on any given Sunday, we serve anywhere from 75 to 140 meals. We count the plates as we're handing them out. So that's Mm -hmm. how we know. And, uh, So that's what we do.
1: About four years ago, I got a promotion to the superintendent's office at Benicia Unified School District. And after working there a year, my superintendent and I (coughs) met together and said, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff, but we sometimes forget why, because we're not seeing students. We're not going to school sites. And um, so we decided we were going to try to do that a little more. And I I decided I wanted to sort of adopt Liberty High School. It's attached to the same building where my office is, so it's convenient. And in doing so, I wanted to be a mentor. Um, And... I'm happy to say that more than almost half of the mentors are from Northgate. So that's pretty exciting. And I had heard about it. And so um, I decided that was something I wanted to do. And I have between last year I had five girls and this year I have eight, um, depending on the numbers. But the mentor program was started because um, the first round of budget cuts to education cut our counselors at Benicia High School. And so Benicia Police Department, in conjunction with Benicia Unified, started a program called Mentors. And Mentors um, are there mostly to help the students graduate. The students that attend Liberty High School are extremely short on credits, and um, so we're there to help them graduate, but also to be the counselor for them that they don't have, helping them make life choices and decisions um, Uh, for their upcoming careers, et cetera. Okay. Nineteen
3: years ago, this coming week, my husband had a fatal heart attack and passed away at the age of 49. Life as I knew it ceased to exist. I had no idea what to do, where to go, who to talk to. If there was even anybody I could talk to, I didn't know anybody my age who'd gone through what I was going through. Both of my parents were still alive. I couldn't talk to them about it. And fortunately, God put a neighbor in my path and it told me about grief support groups. And he found two for me to go to. One was in Vallejo that was a 12-week group, which I attended. The other was an ongoing support group for widowed people in Walnut Creek, which I attended for a couple of years. On And during that time, I realized that you know, grief's something every single person in this room is going to go through at least once in their life. And it's not something we learn about. It's not something we talk about. It's not something we learn how to help people with. It just happens that when it does, we either crawl up in a ball or we get angry or we lash out, but we just don't know what to do. And here I was, and I would. I said one day, I was sitting there, I can remember, it was a Sunday afternoon, it was 3.30 in the afternoon, it was three weeks after my husband had passed away, I had my robe on. And I remember just sitting there thinking, and I looked up at the sky and I said, okay God, now what am I supposed to do? Well, the answer came, of course, and um, in the course of getting the answer and listening, I started reading everything I could read about grief. I started talking to people about it because everybody knew something about it because they'd been through it. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to share. And the logical place to go was to become a grief counselor. And so I went through the training at the crisis center, and that was fifteen years ago.
0: Yeah. Um, I know you don't always get the chance to um, to come right out and share your faith because there's limitations sometimes in what you're doing or the circumstances don't allow for it. But what are? Um, can you share maybe some? Um, God moments, times that you just had the sense that, you know, this is, this is why God had me here. Um, and, and maybe opportunities that you do get to share um, a little bit. And Betty, why don't you go first and we'll go on down the line?
1: Because I am representing um, the school district, I have limitations, obviously, in what I can say to my students. But um, one of our mentors that's been a mentor a long time is Rick Small. And when I first started, he gave me a list of questions that he asks. And by the time you get to know your students, um, we do get down to the point of, do you go to church? Do you have a spiritual life? Um, But I haven't had, unfortunately, anyone ask me how they can become a Christian. But I did have two really neat experiences last year. Um, It was my first year as a mentor, and um, I had one student uh, who during the year got a DUI. First of all, she's 16, so she shouldn't even be drinking. And secondly, she was driving a car full of kids and was pulled over at twice the legal limit. So I was able to talk to her about it, and she, we talked a lot, and she realized it was a really stupid thing to do. She was gonna stop drinking, um, not you know, do anything like that again. I helped her through the process of how you go to court, how long is this gonna take, Um, When do I get my license back? What do I do in the meantime? And then um, last year, Benicia High and and Liberty High School had every 15 minutes, which if you don't know what that is, it is a dramatization of um, students who were driving from a party drunk and several of them were killed when they were in an accident. And so we talked about it coming up and she decided she wanted to participate Um, after what she had gone through and she could have had a horrible accident and killed the kids in that car and so she was one of the walking dead is what it's called and you have to write um, a scenario and um, participate and it really made an impact on her and she um, realized that she just you know can't drink anymore and then I also had a student last year who um, worked in my office as well as as I was her mentor and at the end of the year Liberty High School does a pretty extravagant Graduation, and part of it is a dinner that the fa- their family goes to, and the mentors go to, and the teachers. And after the dinner, um, the family pins a corsage on their student, and the student then goes to the actual graduation. And my student had no one there. This because I'm So she brought me her corsage and um, asked me to pin it on her. And it was a God moment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at the uh, soup kitchen, there's certainly a lot of opportunities to share. Um, It's set up that way. And so the people coming in know that the people serving our Christians and that they're doing out of the love of Christ. Um, the pastor's there. There's opportunities for Bible studies. Um, there's opportunities to give your life to Christ. Um, but really, it's the the God moments to me are just being there and being able to serve, um, to share the love of Christ, and to make a meal we... Um, Provide the food that we serve and we get there two hours early and prepare it and we do it with a lot of love and um, hand out the food with a lot of love and you know so that's the biggest opportunity is just a chance to really share Christ's love Um, I bring my children with me um, so my son and my daughter both are there serving and uh, you know there's just some great moments watching my son walk around handing dessert out to people who aren't necessarily, it's not necessarily the people that are the safest people. You know, these are people in need. There's people who come in every week um, on, obviously, on things, um, come in drunk. um, And it's a chance to really show our love to them. And it also gives my children a chance to realize that there are people out there who they're not thinking about, how can I get that iPod? They're thinking about, how am I going to get dinner tonight? And um, so for me, that's those are the God moments, is just being there and interacting and sharing Christ's love. Good. Okay.
3: There have been so many God moments <clears throat> in my life since I started doing this that I every single one of them is. And when I first started, after I got through with my training, I would run into people that I... Had and hadn't seen for a long time, or new people would come, students into a class, or somebody would just enter my life, and there was always something going on in their life that required them to talk about grief, and I thought, wow, well, this is really cool. I go through this training, and then all of a sudden, these people pop into my life, <laughs> and one day, it was like, whoa, they're not popping into my life. God's bringing them to me, hmm. and it was the most exciting thing in the world. I started looking for them, and, and there's not a week goes by that it doesn't happen. And I know when it happens, just just knowing now that it's there because I'm here, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be here to share. I'm supposed to be here to help. I'm supposed to be here to set a good example. I'm a ray of hope in so many people's lives. People have told me that before. And and I don't even realize it because I love it being able to help, to help people to become able to live their life and accept what's happening in their life and know that God's had a hand in it I just one quick little story there's a woman I'm counseling right now and, and um, her child chose to take his own life and it's just I've never counseled anyone that has been through that before and when it first happened I called Ken and I go oh, I've never had this happen before I don't know what I'm supposed to do and he goes you'll figure it out and you know what it's, been, it's just been the most amazing experience. It's, of all the experiences I've had counseling since I started, this has been the most amazing. And I didn't know if I was doing any good. The last week, I said to her, I said, "I, I don't know if, you're, if, the, if this is helping. I couldn't tell. I usually I can tell." And she looked at me and she said, "You know, you're the only thing in my life right now that I look forward to." Hmm. And yeah, I'm making a difference.) Yeah.
0: Uh, the last question I'd like to um, have you share is just having done this now and being involved where you're involved, what lessons have you learned? How has God impacted you and used these opportunities to change your life too? So, um, Kay, we'll work our way back this way.
3: Um, I have purpose in my life now. I always, you know, I got the answer to my, all right, God, what am I supposed to do now? This is what I'm supposed to be doing now. And being able to have enough sense to listen at that stage in my life for the answer because I really wanted it has made all the difference in my life. And I get as much out of helping. I get more out of helping people than they get from me Hmm. ever.
2: Yeah. It's same for me. I mean, every, we do it once a month and I always just feel incredible when we're done. Um, just the opportunity to, to serve. And it's a humbling experience. Um, and, you know, there's been times where there was one Sunday where we were really shortly, short-staffed and um, we had our biggest night. It was about 145 people came through that night. And by the end of it, we, we make jambalaya and we do it with a lot of love and really just are really proud of what we've served. And by the end of it, we had to open up cans of stew to serve to the last people coming in. But it was all about making sure that everybody who walked in got the love of Christ and got a hot meal, you know, and walked away with something in their belly and knowing that it had come from the love of Christ. And, you know, so that was a very humbling night for me and kind of reminded me why I do it. Yeah.
1: Good. By the end of each year, I... Love my students because I get to know them and I really love them. But I've learned something pretty important for me, and that is about making a judgment about people um, based on maybe where they go to school or what they look like. You know, Liberty High School has uh, um, sort of a reputation of being a really rough school for kids who have discipline issues. And that isn't the only students that go there. In fact, 90% of the students are there because they don't have enough credits, not because they did drugs or got in fights. It's because they just don't have enough credits for one reason or another. So I've sort of learned to not judge, um, especially a student, by you know the fact that they attend Liberty High School. And then last year, we had a campus supervisor who was really rough, um, a rough gal. She just looked rough. And, When I would go down, I'd say hi to her, but I pretty much ignored her. I didn't know her name, didn't get to know her at all. And midway through uh, the summer, she was murdered in her home. And I went to her funeral with a lot of the Liberty students, and her two young children were there. And I realized that I had nothing to say to them because I had not gotten to know their mother. Because she wasn't like me. And I've learned that you just can't treat people that way, that you just have to um, get to know them and reach out to them no matter how different they are from you or, or what they might seem like. So it's been a really good learning opportunity for me.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you all. i would give them another round of applause before they go. I wish we had more time this morning to have uh, other people share their stories or even these three share more of the things that they've experienced and what they've learned by doing this. Um, and it may be... And, and here's, the, here's the take-home, okay? Here's the deal. Here's the question I would like every one of us to walk out of here asking ourselves. Because you may not become a mentor at Liberty High School. You may not go feed needy people in Vallejo. You may not become a grief counselor. But here's the question... And this is really the point, because this is what Jesus was getting at in all of this. The question is this. Since this is where God has put me, what am I to do in this location? Because if I really believe that God has placed me here and now where he has me, then why? What is it that I am to do since this is where he's put me? See, Jesus said, You're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it loses its flavor? He says, you're the light of the world, but people don't light a lamp and and put it under a basket or a a bowl. People light a lamp and and they put it on a lampstand. See, it's about realizing if this is where God has me, then he's got me here for a purpose. Because if I'm not being salt, if I'm not being light, then I'm not doing what He's called me to do. And it's very simple. The message of this whole thing is just very simple. It's about being and doing. You are salt, so let your life give people a taste of the grace of God. You are light, so be a shining ray of light in a dark world. Because wherever God has you, he's put you in that location to help other people. Seek him. Reach out for him. And find him. He goes on, he says, so in the same way, in the same way that you light a lamp and you put it on a stand so that it gives light to everybody that's in the room, he says, In that same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's simply this in that same way, let people see. Now that means this is not he's not talking about your beliefs. And he's not talking about your thoughts and ideas. And he's not talking about your best of intentions. He's talking about your deeds. That you do something. And I don't know what that is. It's going to be different in every one of our lives. But the idea is you are so be. You are so do. Because nobody's going to know your beliefs Nobody's going to be interested in your thoughts. And nobody's going to benefit from your intentions. He says, let them see your good deeds. Not drawing attention to yourself. Not so people think, oh man, he's a pretty good person. Well, she's a really nice person. But that they would see your good deeds and make the connection that this has to do with your heavenly father who is in heaven. He says, that's what it means to be salt and light. To live in such a way. To help in such a way. To reach out in such a way. Wherever it is that you have been placed in your life. To do it in such a way that people see your good deeds. And they make the connection. This has something to do with God. And that's really the simple message that Jesus wanted us to get. Would you bow your heads with me?